0: Welcome online campus. Uh, we're glad you guys are here today. Happy Father's Day to all of you who are on campus and all of you who are online. Dads, we have never lived in a time where you're more needed than this hour in which we're living right now to rise up and to lead. And we are so grateful that you're here today. And we wanna talk a little bit about the importance of that role and uh, title the message today, Set Your House in Order. And we're going to take a look at an interesting story out of uh, Second Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine. If you want to find your place there, old—we've been doing a lot of Old Testament, haven't we, uh, lately? Second Chronicles, uh, chapter twenty-nine, uh, verses three through nine, is what we're going to focus on. I will put my sunglasses over here. This is uh, the passage where Hezekiah uh, rises to become the king of Israel as a very young man, actually 25 years of age. We'll talk about that in just a moment, a little more backdrop, but uh, things are completely in disarray in God's house, and so it sets the order for his leadership role. He's greatly grieved at what happened to God's house, and so uh, we're going to read through this and see what happens, all right? All right beginning at verse 3 in 2nd Chronicles chapter 29 in the first year uh, in the first year of his reign in the first month he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them and then he brought in the priests and the Levites and he gathered them in the East Square and he said to them hear me Levites now sanctify yourself sanctify the house of the Lord your God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place for our father have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and they have forsaken him have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him they have also shut up the doors of the vestibule put out the lamps And have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place of god of israel therefore the wrath of the lord fell upon judah and jerusalem and he has given them up to trouble to desolation and to jeering and you see with your eyes for indeed because of this our fathers have fallen by the sword Our sons, our daughters, and our wives are in captivity. Heavenly Father, we come to you asking that you would open the eyes of our understanding not only to what happened uh, centuries ago, uh, to what happened in this time period, but to how it relates to the hour in which we live right now. And Father, uh, I believe uniquely to the hour in which we live right now. Awaken us as men of God awaken us as a church that we might do the first things again lord get our attention through the circumstances of the world in which we live now and cause us to take action according to your word we ask this in jesus name amen the house of god and uh the church in general has been under unprecedented attack in past few years. God laid it on my heart in uh, 2015. We began to share with the church here about the coming persecution to the shores of America. And we have seen this begin to rise up like never before, really on our shores in America, there has always been one uh, level or another, but in great, in much lesser, uh, ways in, than we have seen across the world where there has been much persecution in uh, the church, in many other areas outside of the United States, but it's been coming home. It culminated for us in a striking way in in governmental restrictions that came with the pandemic in 2020 upon uh, houses of worship, and it seemed to single out the gathering of worshipers in a unique, uh, and uh, that they were a unique danger Uh, to the communities across america there was a message being sent out that the church was not essential and that the essential things needed to go forward but the worshiping community the church of god did not need to move forward the policies that were imposed upon our churches uh, were punitive and have found their way to the highest courts in the land uh, have been struck down in some instances already. There are local governments that are reimbursing uh, local churches for damages that they have suffered along this line. Uh, And they were not congruent in their policies that they imposed upon large businesses that were deemed by them essential. In many states across America, uh, policies forbid the normal use of church buildings. Children were not able to gather to be educated in the word of God families were not able to come together to worship god and prioritize communion was not allowed to be celebrated as a group together and there are still empty churches buildings in various locations across america where local state governments continue to forbid the gatherings or the large gatherings of worshipers even to the day in which you and i are here right now a large congregation and pastor that i know in new york city Is having their first gathering since february of 2020 only today the church was deemed by many uh, national and local leaders as non-essential we the church were in no way ready for what happened and the kind of attack that came upon the church and as in the day that we're reading about right now that the church would literally in many cases be nailed shut in some cases in california and across the nation there were postings that were up on the doors of these churches forbidding congregant members from coming together and worshiping and we were really not ready in many ways for this attack though i believe god has been warning us for some time and calling us to rise up as a church as never before, and set the example for the world of what it is to be a Christian, not just a person who goes to church, but someone who loves God with all their heart and lives it out every day. Church leaders at first were confused and then uncertain how they should respond biblically. And I understand that I wrestled with those things and I have no rocks to throw at my brothers that took a different route than we did here at our church Uh, i know they were struggling uh, on all different levels they had congregant members who um, were anxious about coming together and and uh, worried about what it would look like so church leaders were a bit confused they didn't know how to go forward and most of all of them and us included in the beginning were certainly complying with these restrictions in the interest of public safety but the majority of churches were not ready for online church and uh, god had blessed us we um we you know i'm not not that we're uniquely listening to the voice of god but uh for a, a good season we were hearing i was having a meeting with my uh the head of our media and uh we we came into this church um with a a sense of that we needed to have a big media presence because we felt that was the way the world was going and people were were going to see things more online than they were physically coming to the campus and then we felt really impressed in 2019 it's time to pull the trigger we had funds and resources available to do that so uh, near the end of december uh, we went live uh, with our online streaming uh right prior to the outbreak of the pandemic and uh my heart went out to a lot of church leaders pastors that i know that uh, had not foreseen this uh, were not prepared in any way shape or form and when they realized that this was going to be the way forward they uh sought to find these things on amazon and everywhere else uh, and were unable they were sold out there were no cameras there were no Uh, cables to connect those things. There were no uh, tools or resources available for them to do what was necessary. And so the enemy had a heyday in the beginning with a lot of local churches who were unable to access and get their live services back up. And so people were without church for weeks and months uh, before their church was able to find some kind of workaround where they could come into their living room and, and have service together. For months, many of the pastors and friends of mine struggled to find ways to get connected with their church families and and to disciple at-risk believers, people who were new to Christ, who they had focused uh, special attentions on to try to raise them up and encourage them. Uh, Those who were depressed, those who were... Um, homebound, all kinds of situations that were going on where it was a struggle uh, to find a way to minister to them. And then then suddenly thrust into that was the instantly unemployed across uh, the U.S. And the church has always been a source for coming in in emergencies and helping out church family members who find themselves financially in disarray and and uh, suddenly uh, large sections of the congregations were unemployed and people were immediately in need of assistance and help. The essentials of our nation, uh, as they began to outline it, our local officials and national officials, uh, they labeled it uh, like this. Grocery stores were essential. Hospitals and medical care was essential. Liquor stores were essential. Restaurants for carry out and drive through employees and firms supporting food, feed, and beverage distribution, including curbside distribution and deliveries. Warehouse workers were considered essential. Real estate and supporting structures, builders, suppliers, title companies were all on that list of essentials. The glaring truth is the church was not. The gathering of God's people was not deemed essential. And not only was it not deemed by our local officials, As essential but many church leaders and people that we have looked up to and watched over the years did not necessarily immediately deem the church gatherings as essential as a result the barna institute recently published a report showing that one-third of church attenders prior to the pandemic have not returned or engaged online with the church since the epidemic And it should be no surprise to us, because if there is a struggle in leadership in our churches to take a position as to whether or not the church is essential, then certainly the congregants are not to be blamed if they do not feel the church is essential. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became Judah's 13th king. Israel was at this time divided, Uh, and you might remember after Solomon, uh, he he made a very poor, poor decision, and the kingdom was divided as a result of that. Ten tribes followed Jeroboam to be their king, two tribes followed Rehoboam, and Israel had turned from God and they had begun to pollute the land with all manner of idolatry and worship. Ahaz, Hezekiah's predecessor, made high places to burn incense to false gods and provoked the anger of the Lord, the God of their fathers, Scripture reads. Israel had neglected the house of God. They had deemed it as a non-essential. Many of the temple vessels that had been used in worship had been given away as gifts to the king of Syria and other surrounding kings to gain some kind of favor with them and to gain protection or to appease them from turning on israel in war and finally the temple had been defiled in such a way that ahaz didn't want anyone to go inside of it anymore and he nailed the doors shut and following ahaz's death hezekiah became the king he was deeply grieved at what he saw and what he had witnessed and he was determined to change the way things were notice though where he starts the change he called the priest and the levites together and he cleansed god's house the temple the beginning of setting things straight, the beginning of setting the house of Israel in order, started with him calling together the priests, the Levites, and cleaning up the house of God. Second Chronicles 29, 3-5 through five says that, we read it a moment ago, in the first year, reign of King Uzziah, the first month, the first month of his reign, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests, and the Levites, and he gathered them into the square that's on the east side. And then he said to them, he gave them these instructions. Threefold things. Fathers, I would call you to listen to God speak into your hearts this morning. He called them together and he says, Listen to me, O Levites. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate the house of the Lord. The God of your fathers and carry the uncleanness out of this place consecrate yourselves he gave them a beginning to start with themselves a reckoning for all of us as fathers coming out of a most difficult season that we've ever faced in my lifetime in the united states that we would not look externally at politicians that we would not look externally at uh, lawmakers and the issues that have surrounded this but that we would look at ourselves internally and say i have to start with me i have to be the best me i can be for god the beginning of change for my nation starts inside of me i have to be a better man of god and then he says i want you to consecrate the house of the lord And you might note that what's really important about this uh, verse is as we fast forward into the New Testament is what God calls the house of the Lord, the temple. And he calls it in the New Testament, you. He's never wanted to dwell in a house that was built by man's hands. He's always wanted to dwell in the house that he built, you. And so he says consecrate yourselves and and consecrate the house of the lord start living clean again change the way you are using my temple my house and let it be to glorify me let it be for the purposes for which you were created and then he says lastly carry out the uncleanness from the holy place but seasons in our life where we have Taken to the dumpster things that don't belong in our home. Not literally, physically, in some instances, but going to the altar of God and saying, I'm laying these things down. They do not belong in the house of a man who has put God first. There are things that I have listened to or participated in God, they don't belong around here there are things that have come in with the opening of the door to allow certain things through my eye gate and my ear gate that do not belong in your house and there's going to be a burning (laughs) god we're getting rid of this stuff and we're going to set things right again second kings 18 5 through 6 he says uh, talking about this is another look at this from second uh kings what happened in chronicles the Chronicles were the collection of things that the kings did and also First and Second Kings is a record historically of what happened with the kings. So this is also talking about what happened during the time of Hezekiah. And it says of Hezekiah, here's what it says about him. And he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah and among those who were before him for he clung to the Lord he did not depart from following him but kept his commandments which the Lord had commissioned Moses and the Lord was with him wherever he went the Lord prospered him dads I want to talk to you for a moment this morning it is the question for us today is what is essential for you? What is essential for your family? Whatever becomes essential will set the direction of our families. Is prayer essential in your home? Is Bible study essential in your home? Is church attendance essential in your home? Is serving God and God's family is essential in your home is giving essential in your home are you teaching your families to live their life on earth to glorify God or are you teaching them vicariously to learn how to satisfy their own desires Hezekiah knew what was essential He was grieved when he looked around and he saw Israel and what was going on with the people. He was grieved when he saw what was happening in in the families around him, in his own family. And he was grieved to see that they were not living essential lives. And instead of going to a gathering and talking about this and having committee meetings and what can we do to bring change, Hezekiah did something about it. He made change, and he started in God's house. Dad, we can spend our retirement talking about what went wrong in our families, and our world, what happened in, in the political arena, what might have been different if something else had changed, or we can do something about it. We can set our homes in order by putting God first in our lives. We can determine what is essential in our home. We will walk the walk. We love God with all of our hearts. We will lead our families in the ways of God. We don't want to be just, the reason we do this is we don't just want to be a family here on earth. We want to be a family in eternity. And the reason the church is essential and coming together to worship is essential is this life is a blip on the screen. We are being ushered towards eternity. And if we lived a full life here and we don't make eternity our home with God, everything's been wasted. What the church does is more essential than what hospitals do what the church does for the soul is more essential than what care workers can do what police officers can do it's more important than food jesus said man cannot live by bread alone but lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god we are talking about eternity when we come together to worship listening to these songs this morning as we were preparing our hearts for the word of god and opening it up we were struck by those things and our hearts were touched as we sang phrases about what god has accomplished in us how he has healed a marriage How He has has turned our lives around. How He has, has helped us learn how to raise our children to love God and to live for Him. And to stay out of prison and to stay out of drugs and to stay out of everything else. How He has liberated us from the bondages of sin and has set us free. How He has taught us to be free of our own lusts and desires and to live for a higher reason and purpose and meaning. He's given us origin, He's given us meaning, right? He's given us morality, and He's given us a destiny. We don't just want to be a family here on earth. We want to be a family for eternity. I can't even imagine gathering together as a family and seeing my son missing, or my daughter missing, or my wife missing. This is my opportunity right now to set my house in order so that we will all be together in eternity worshiping Jesus, living for him in his presence. It's never too late to reset the essentials. No matter what has gone on in the past, it's never too late, dads, to reset the essentials in your home and in your family. We taught our kids growing up Do not take a job in the secular world that is going to work you on Sunday. Because we as a family worship God together on Sunday. We do it all week long, but Sunday we set aside to worship Him with God's people. And you think that hampered them? They've been working since they were 15 or 16 years old. The people who they worked for loved them begged to have them, they worked in retail, they worked in all kinds of things, where they would try to trick them once in a while and work them on Sunday. Look, you try to work me on Sunday, I'm going to be a call, no show. (laughs) My dad is not only pastor, but he's the leader of our household, and we all go to worship God together. There were some battles as we were raising our kids up, as, as you have faced warfare about different kinds of things and prioritizing things, but God set in our hearts the direction that we should be going, and that's how we demanded that our family go. I can remember standing with one of my children in a very difficult time where there was rebellion in the room, and we had to tell them the honest truth. You can walk out that door and do what you want to do. But you've ended the relationship here. You will not affect the relationship of your siblings by the life that you want to live that is away from God. You don't think that's hard as a parent? Cried, tears, hurt, the pain of it. But years later, had that child say to us, The reason I didn't walk out that door is because I knew you meant what you said. I knew if I walked out that door, I was ending something that I loved and cared about. I was ending something that was more valuable to me than anything that I was pursuing outside of those doors. As long as we have breath in our lungs and God in our hearts, we can lead our homes in the way of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, there's a passage of scripture there that I want to spend just a moment with you dads on. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up, training them in instructions of the Lord. I want to start with the do not. He says do not exasperate your children. Okay, Do not demand from them what you refuse to give to them. Don't demand from them a different life than you're living, something that you're not giving to them. Don't demand it from them. That's exasperating your children. You didn't give it to me. It's not in my cupboards. I can't give it to anybody else. I can't give it back to you. It's not there. Do not demand from your children what you don't give them. Do not criticize in them what you modeled before them. Do not criticize in them what you modeled before them. Do not expect them to forgive you without asking for forgiveness by way of an actual true apology. Not just uttering the words, but living out, I am sorry. I knelt beside the bedside of my children before and said, I want to ask you to forgive, dad. I acted too harshly. My words were wrong. I remember one of my daughters, one time she was only about five years old, and I was just asking her to forgive me. She put her hands on my head and she said, Daddy, I'm going to pray, Jesus, make you the best daddy. (laughs) I said, Please do. They need to know that we are human and we make mistakes, we're not always right. But when we do something wrong we're teaching them how to apologize they're going to carry that into a marriage they're going to carry that into relationships in the world into the workplace they're going to know how to say i am sorry give me another opportunity and i will do differently i will live differently do not throw money at them in the place of time nothing is more valuable than time spent I lost my dad when i was 33 years old all my memories about my dad are time spent with us how he loved us he was my pastor and i can remember various things about messages that he preached but the 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 huge value of time that he spent with us was was is embedded in me the things that we did together how he shared his love with us and spent his time with us, and we were a priority. We could come into his office. We could come into wherever he was. We were always welcome. If he had had a cell phone, we would have been able to dial right in, right? And then it says, train them up to put God first. Here's what I was talking about a moment ago. Train them up to put God first. What does that mean? Above academics. Hello? I want you to do well. I want you to get... Uh, A's, I want you to be able to go to a good college if you can, but but God is above all of that. You're not staying home to study, you know, and and put, you know, and not be able to go to youth group or whatever else is going on because academics are more important, right? No, they're not. Above recreation and sports. We live in the sports capital of Texas right here. Every every weekend, right now there are hotels just burgeoning, full of people who have their kids uh, in soccer and and in in football and everything else is going on. And their dream as a parent, like all of our dreams, is they're all going to go to college. Uh, you know, they're all going to be you know a five star athlete, and they're all going to play for the University of Texas or Alabama or something, right? They all have those dreams, and, and their scholarships—they're going to get free money and all this kind of stuff. And they are literally investing thousands and thousands of dollars with that dream in mind. It's not realizing that if they would take a Dave Ramsey course, they could plow that money into college (laughs) instead of sending them to sports camp. And they would have enough money for them to graduate, right? And and be able to pay for it. But above recreation and above sports, right? It's quiet in here. Above jobs and careers, I told you we wrestled with our kids, and and then they reinforced it with their uh, bosses. They never lost a job, never. They never lost work opportunities. They would just take them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and just work them like a horse. I mean, they were they were working 35 and 40 hours, you know, at 16, 17 years old if they could. We were pulling them back as parents, like no, they still have to go to school and other things, but. They loved them because they they always showed up. They did what they were supposed to do. They're like, okay, if we have to give them off Sundays, let's give them off Sundays. Above relationships and dating. Yeah, all of our kids got eyes for the opposite sex at particular ages. And they're like, Dad, this is just so important. You know, I need to go and hang out with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. You know, I know it's Sunday. I know... Mm. above relationships and dating. But my best friends, they're going, and they're having fun, above relationships and dating. This life is a blip. I'd rather be on a sailboat in heaven than a hellboat in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Above all means above all. What do you want, all of your heart. It isn't part of it, a piece of it weekends only God wants everything he wants all of you he created you and he's got great rewards for you when you give him all of you when God and his church are not essential the whole generation is at risk and we read it in this passage and I want to just clip through it once again as we're getting ready to close and our worship team is coming because of this our fathers because of what Because the church was non essential, because worship was non essential, because God was not that important, because this wasn't a high priority in our lives, because we pushed this to the side, because we gathered up other idols, we decided, you know, uh, sports was more important and TV was more important. We started worshiping different idols and going in different directions. And because of this, academics was so important. And because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword. Men have been slain in our media, in our world. They have been severely wounded, treated as if every one of them is just a, a lust filled maniac in the, in the eyes of, of, of media and movies and everything else that has been going on. They have been slain by the sword and it says our sons, our daughters, and our wives are in captivity, they're bound, because it's been non-essential. John MacArthur, I, I, I really gained a lot of strength watching his stand in California in the midst of all the stuff that was going on, and he would not stand for it, that children and young people were not educated in the word of God. And he opened those doors and the fines came, You know, first 5,000 and then 10,000 and 15,000 and 20,000 and 50,000 and 100,000 punitive actions were taken and people trying to restrict them from coming onto the property. Police officers and standing at the doorways and trying to discourage parishioners from coming in. He took the stand that this is essential, what we do here. It's essential because this life will end in, in, in a blip. But eternity is ahead of us. And where these children spend eternity is more important than what you think about life right here, right now. We are living in a time when men are needed more than ever before. We must not conform to this world. We must allow God to transform us and renew our minds. If I thought that I could change things in my nation by being a politician i would have gone into politics i know what changes my nation jesus christ and that's why i said yes to his call in my life i have no interest in going to a table where men sit down and they put all of their values on there the politicians and they say you give me those values that will throw them in the trash and i'll throw these values in the trash, we'll come to some kind of agreement, we'll pass a bill. I'm not throwing any of these values away. Not one is up for negotiation. It's time for us to make a stand, men, and to see our world transformed by the renewing of our minds. Hezekiah opened up God's house again started cleaning it up. I can see these guys walking around, you know, because I'm a pastor and I've done this stuff too. Everybody, uh, well, not everybody. People, some people have an idea of, of a pastor's job and they, you know, he's wearing a three-piece suit and he's in his office and he never breaks a sweat and things are, the real, the real life job pastors know, you know, changing toilets out and cleaning, scrubbing floors, you know, wiping down cobwebs. And I, I just see these guys walking in and doing this, you know, it's just, it's humbling to think about you know because i've been there i've gone into god's house and cleaned it up and uh, i love god's house i love god's people and it's worth the effort to get it clean and guys it's worth the effort to clean up your home bring in an order i look at where we are as a family and we're not perfect but man what a joy it is that my kids love god and they we're all today somewhere worshiping the Lord and giving and serving and and being a part of of his community of faith encouraging others but being encouraged by God's family and lifted up and that nothing has stopped that it's been a priority I'm humbled by that I don't take a lap around the block and say I'm just so great I know what God has done but he's done it because we decided to put him first forever we made a choice, a hard choice and a decision that we're not going to compromise. There's nothing in here that, that is up for grabs for anybody. It's all the law of the land for us. This is the way we're going to live and we're going to walk in it. I want to invite you guys to stand with me. If you're near a dad, your dad, somebody else's dad, <laughs> would you just put a hand on their shoulders and lift them up? as we pray father we come to you just as we are we're flawed we're not perfect and lord we want to start we want we want a new beginning today it's not too late some dads are older like me some are young in this room today lord is a day where it's it's a place of new beginning for us so we ask you lord to help us to begin by consecrating ourselves, placing ourselves in your hands and asking for forgiveness where we have not lived out the values that you've given us. Lord, that we would make your house a clean place and you want to dwell in us. We would be a living example for our children and for those around of how to live a clean life. We're not going to compromise, we're not going to give in, Lord, to uh, the pressures of society and culture. We're standing for what is right, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we we ask, God, that you would be glorified through us. That others would be able to see, that our children would be able to see, that our loved ones would be able to see, that our world can see what it's like to be a man of God. We love uh, our families. We love this this nation, God. We want to make a difference here. And the only way we can do that is by surrendering ourselves 100% to you. And we do that right now in Jesus name. Just take a moment just to tell him, Lord, I belong to you. I give myself completely to you. All is all. I hold back nothing. Lord, I belong to you. I want to lead my family in the ways of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you.